Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. Today we are speaking with Amy Stein. Amy is an herbalist, energy medicine educator, trauma-informed breathwork facilitator, and an incredible wealth of knowledge inside of her that she shares on this episode today. Amy's mission is to educate and empower others who are suffering from physical, mental, or emotional health issues to learn to reconnect with the innate intelligence of our body, along with mother nature. She believes that we can be our own best healers when we can quiet the internal and external noise in order to hear the messages for healing, reminding ourselves that we get to choose what is best for us. Her approach is a mind, body, spirit one, which uses the power of the plants, mindfulness and breath work to assist in reconnecting you back to your body. We went into such depth in this episode. We talked about how to be your own best advocate and how to heal our bodies and how we actually can learn to heal our bodies. The stat that she shared of one in 12 women and one in 24 men that experience autoimmune conditions blows me away. It honestly blows me away. And most of these numbers, they continue to grow and so many are misunderstood or underreported. And Amy dove deep into the mind-body connection and how important it is in our healing journey and how it played such a big piece in her healing of her story. And she shares all of it with us today. This is truly a powerful episode. And if you've ever been in the space of wanting to learn and understand how can you heal your own body, how can you support your own body during healing, this episode is for you. Welcome to the show today, Amy. It's so nice to meet you. Thanks, Marsha. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So tell people, where are you from? So I'm outside of New York. I'm on Long Island. So we are experiencing lots of heat and no rain. (laughs) Well, we were just, we were just having this discussion, which I know is going to tie into you and your story because actually it does in a weird way, not a weird way, in a roundabout way, right? Because Mm -hmm. of what you do and what's important to you this drought has been challenging, right? It's challenging. Sure. A lot of people might talk about, oh, my grass is needs water, but we're talking about like gardens and plant medicine. Mm -hmm. So this dives right into you and your story. So would you mind starting with a little bit of a snippet as to who you are? Sure. So basically I found my way here telling this story in that growing up as a kid, I was, I didn't really fit into any of the normal quote unquote ideal boxes, right? I felt things a lot differently than other kids. I was labeled too sensitive. I, you know, my parents told me to grow a thicker skin. I had a lot of complaints with my body. I always had stomach aches and headaches and I didn't feel good a lot of the time. And so growing up, it it was kind of difficult because I wasn't believed. So it was just that I was making up a lot of these excuses to get attention, to not, to get out of doing things I didn't want to do, but it, it got really intense in high school. I was blacking out. I was suffering migraines, but I didn't know that's what it was. I was throwing up every morning before class. And so it was just labeled as, oh, you're just, you're just anxious. You're just nervous. You know, you just don't want to go to school. And I'm like, no, there's something not right in my body. It doesn't feel right. I'm picking up these emotions from other people, you know, like no one talked about it. No one understood it. It was just, I'm making excuses because I don't want to do whatever. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do the activity, whatever it was that may be. So I didn't understand what that was. Mm -hmm. And it followed me my whole life. And I didn't really understand what it was probably until about five years ago. But initially my journey really took off in that the symptoms became really loud that I could not ignore them about 12 years ago. And I was working with chronic pain patients and we were trying to teach them alternative modalities rather than, go ahead. 
Can I interrupt one quick question? Yeah. So you were working with chronic pain patients. Is that what you just said? Yep. And I began so, to resemble them. Wow. So you were actually working with chronic pain patients as you were going through a yeah. lot of chronic symptoms. Okay. Right. Yeah, right. Wow. So that's, you know, that's synergy of the universe, right? Like, that's, oh, I'm I going to give you another example. Maybe you'll pay attention this time. So I didn't know what was going on. I was in denial. You know, I, I went to my doctor who had known me since I was 12. She knew all of the issues I was having for years. And this is kind of the plight of autoimmune in that it takes on average 10, 20 years for you to get a diagnosis. So one in 12 women have an autoimmune disease and one in 24 men have an autoimmune disease the current statistics as of, you know, 2021. But it takes a really long time to get a diagnosis because it can, there can be a lot of symptoms and a lot of times they don't actually fall into boxes mm-hmm. or your body sends you messages before the labs pick anything up. And that could be numerous reasons because the labs are not complete because the labs taken at a certain time, this, you know, the, the appear normal when they're not right. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a lot of different reasons for that, but it's frustrating as someone who doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew a lot of the science. I didn't go to medical school, but I was a medical researcher. I was reading all the journals. I was trying to help my chronic pain patients. And then I started to resemble them. And I thought, what is happening here? This is crazy. And so it got to the point I couldn't deny it. I started breaking bones. I, I had to have knee surgery. I was on crutches for three months. And I thought, something something's not right here. And every time I went to the doctor... They said, well, nothing's coming up in your, in your blood work. So, you know, go see a therapist. You have a lot of stress. Just go, go, you know, go manage your stress better, but nobody tells you how to do that. There's no, there's no, well, that's, that's another whole episode. Right. And I'm right. not trying to say it, it is no, though, no, no. right? They're yeah. like, go manage your stress, right. go manage your stress. And it's like, right. okay, what? <laughs> how do I do like, that? No one's listening to me and I'm trying right. to explain this. So your stress was why you were breaking bones? Just curious. No. So eventually it was confirmed that I had celiac disease. And so that would also attribute why as a kid, I had, you know, migraines and stomach aches because yeah. that wasn't talked about. And so as I became sicker, the trauma from childhood of not being believed, seen or heard was mirrored as an adult. So I was in my mid to late twenties. I had just gotten married and we had bought this house and I knew there was mold in it. You know, I live on an Island, so it's yeah. hard not to have mold. Right. And my husband thought I was crazy. Cause I said, there is mold in this house. I can smell it. I think it's making me sick. Mm-hmm. And he is an engineer. And so it's very black and white to him. And he's like, I've done mold remediation. I don't see anything. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I can smell it. It's here. And so again, it's an example of one person in the home may be suffering Mm -hmm. and the other person, their body chemistry is designed differently. They don't have the same reactions. So I was bedridden. I was crippled. I was breaking bones. I was living in the bathroom. I had severe vertigo and severe migraines and the doctors didn't know what to do. And I was trained. If you're sick, you go to the doctor, they fix you. Mm -hmm. It's a novel concept, right? So I went that route. I was on that merry-go-round for a few years and it didn't feel good. I was not affirmed. I was not seen, heard, or believed. Mm -hmm. The doctors were threatened by me saying, I'm going to go home and do my own research. Mm -hmm. If I brought in a book that I had read, they were threatened by that. They just kept telling me, take the medication. And if you don't take the medication, you're going to, you know, you're going to get worse and you're not compliant then. And so I had that, you know, I still have this type A personality that I contend with. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I'm going to figure this out myself, but I was better at, and I had massive fatigue. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't think clearly at times. My words were all messed up and I would think I was saying one thing and my husband would argue with me and say, you did not say that. And so then I thought I had a brain tumor because everything was just, I mean, my body was completely giving up. It was done. So throughout those time periods, I would go to 40 different doctors. Again, I live in New York, so we have access to a lot of different doctors, a lot of uh, renowned specialists. And I got diagnosed with all these archaic rare conditions because I did not fit into the boxes. No one wanted to talk to each other. So none of the doctors wanted to speak to each other. Right. So Mm -hmm. you start with your GP or your internist. 
They send you to the specialist that deals with that can, that situation of the body. And I would say, why can't you talk? Why can't the neurologist talk to the rheumatologist? Why can't the rheumatologist talk to the endocrinologist? Like this is it's all one body. It's all connected. And that was, that's a foreign concept. Now it's, you know, with functional medicine, it's more common. But back then, 12 years ago, no one was talking about that. Mm-hmm. And no one was mentioning trauma from childhood. No one was talking about toxins. No one was talking about being a highly sensitive person, right? Or being empathic. None of these things were mentioned. These were all ideas that I had to come to on my own. And by the time I finally got to a functional doctor, you know, about five years down the road, it, 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 some of it came into place where she reviewed all of my documents, all of my lab work, all of my testing, you know, and you, you have, every time you go to a new doctor, you have this idea that maybe they're going to be the one that's going to fix you. Mm-hmm. Right. This idea of still looking outside of yourself for someone else to fix you. It's someone hope, else right. Like I, I think you're trying to find something to hold on to yeah. that there's some hope and right. yeah, or you're desperate for a name, right? Just mm-hmm. give me a name that works. Mm-hmm. Give me a name that when I do the protocol, I get better. Mm-hmm. And so I went through that so many times and I didn't get better. If anything, I got sicker. The medications made me sicker. At one point I was 85 pounds. I could not, I had double broken, you know, both my feet were broken. I had double casts on and I, I couldn't even leave my house. I'm like, now what? So I have mm-hmm. severe migraines and vertigo. I have severe GI issues, but now I have two broken feet and I'm 85 pounds. And you still don't see anything wrong with this. Like you still can look at me and say, just keep taking the medication. So it got to the point where I said, I'm done. I'm done with this merry-go-round. I'm done with doing this. I still was not able to get into a functional practitioner. So I, what I did was, this was before a lot of people had podcasts. I started listening to summits of functional medicine doctors mm-hmm. and I read their books. They used the library because it was free. And I started doing my own research and I started trying things myself. I had already changed my diet. I had already kept, kept taken out a lot of the toxins in the household, you know, as far as cleaning supplies, things I put on personal care products. I had taken all of that out, but I still wasn't getting better. Mm-hmm. And so we have this idea of if you do more, it'll be better, but it's actually not because it's an exhausting hamster wheel, but it was my type A of like, we need to fix this. We need to get better. We need to get our life back. We need to have some sort of normality, right? It's this, this hamster wheel manic healing mentality where you're just go, 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 go. You're desperate to find an answer. And so that was exhausting in itself. And I didn't realize it was destructive as well because it was strengthening that disconnect between the mind and the body. Mm-hmm. It was saying, nope, the mind knows better. The body doesn't know anything. The body is broken. Mm-hmm. The body is failing you. And now I know that's not true through no. the journey that I've had, which brought me then to plant medicine. So as we were talking about, you know, it's my religion is plant medicine. And so I pray to mother Gaia. That's who I look to for support and guidance. I had always gardened before. But when I realized that the plants had all this value, that they could do all the things that the pharmaceuticals couldn't do, and there was probably little to no side effects, I thought, why am I not doing this? Why am I not trying this? Mm -hmm. And the irony was my dad had just found a book of my gram. She had passed away. And he said, oh, it's this book about plant medicine. Do you think you want it? Yeah, I think I do. I think there's something here to this. And I had been gardening my whole life with my gram, with my mom. So I always had plants growing in the yard and I was fascinated by the plants that I already had. They all had these medicinal values to them already. And I could use them and utilize them to make my own medicine, right? So I started making my own infused oils. I made my own tinctures. I also did it because it was cheaper. Well, okay. So I want to, can I just one second? I want to ask a question here. When were you diagnosed with celiac? Was this like before this, before you started to explore in plant medicine or after? Before I changed my diet pretty drastically about year one, Mm because I, I saw there was a link and even though the doctors were telling me, no, I knew there was something going on. Mm -hmm. And so I had taken, I went on an anti, first I did like a paleo diet and then I did an anti-inflammatory diet for years. And then I started to reincorporate some food in, uh, you know, as best I could. I do like a, right now, currently I do a paleo keto diet, 
So it's, it's little to no grains. I have grains occasionally, but the thing is that your body, even if there isn't a gluten grain, if your body is not healed, if your microbiome is not healed, any sort of grain will still cause an inflammatory reaction mm-hmm. and you'll set yourself back. So it's taking me 12 years to reintroduce grains. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of, it's a, I'm very regimented with it because if I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I have setbacks, mm-hmm. you know, with autoimmune, there is no cure. You can be in remission. So I still have flares. I still have setbacks, right? So with the storm movie in this morning, I felt it. I, I didn't sleep well the night before. So I feel a little swollen today because it's like hundred percent humidity. So I still have symptoms that I contend with, but I am by far so much better than when I was being monitored the traditional way. And I attribute that to establishing a mind body connection through plant medicine and energy medicine. I attributed that to me taking my power back and stopping looking outside of myself for someone to heal me. I attribute that to also respecting the innate intelligence of the body to heal, Mm -hmm. that it was designed to heal, right? It was, it was designed by something bigger than me, something divine source, spirit, God, almighty, you know, whatever you identify with created all of this, created the plants, created the birds, created the butterflies, created you and me and everyone else, right? It's all energy, but it was created by something bigger than us. And so when I was (laughs) taught that you can't believe it unless you see it, that's not true. And I didn't realize that I kept bucking the system of, I can't see this energy. How can it help me? How can it change things? It wasn't until I became open to this idea that I don't need to see it for it to work. And then I could do it and I could see the reaction or, you know, the effect of it. And then I thought, oh, there's something to this. Right. Yeah. I, I love that you shared that because I think this, this piece of when you have battled something for so long, you also get to the space of, yeah, sure. I'll try. Like, exactly. I'll try, let me try. What do I have to lose? Right. Let me try. Um, I'm older than you are. I don't want to tell your age, but I know I am. But we, like, I went through, I was sick constantly as a kid, constantly as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I think I probably over 20 years ago, I finally got to the space of, um, I cut out all gluten and dairy and completely like long before it was a trend long before there was options because the options were horrific. (laughs) They were so bad. Horrific. They were awful. They were horrible. Like you guys, like there's so many options now. I know. Like it's a luxury what you can buy right now. (laughs) It's nothing now. Like there's, it's nothing actually. It really isn't. And it's so funny because I remember when I started at that point, like 20 years ago, they would take a biopsy to look for celiac, but mm-hmm. we all know that they're taking a biopsy of one tiny section in one yep. section. Yep. And I, we, I'm, I'll never forget the conversation. My husband got to one point. He's like, I don't care what their tests say. Right. This is not a normal reaction. Exactly. Like it, it was not normal. Yep. And I can't, I mean, for so many years, people would say, Oh, did you just get bloated? I'm like, no, I oh. was on the toilet for about eight hours. Yeah. I couldn't get off leave my bathroom. Yep. Yeah. I couldn't leave my bathroom. Right. And it's interesting. Sorry. If this is too much information for anyone, no. it's <laughs> oh how God, I, would just, I know, I know, but I just, I find it interesting. And, and you get to a space of, I was just searching for a way to feel better. Like I mm-hmm. couldn't even you're desperate. Yeah. Desperate. And we were at something on the weekend. And a lot of times I just bring most of my own food yep, now and I don't mind. Cause I actually don't mind cooking anyways. And one of the girls was asking me all kinds of questions and she's like, but God, isn't that work? Like, isn't that? And I'm like, the alternative is just not an option. It's when you go through this kind of inflammation, I just want to share this as, and I'm sure you can dive in even more, but I want to share this piece of when you go through this kind of inflammation inside of your body, the one way I described it to her is like, I might as well just sit and drink two bottles of wine. My body will just go, I might, it feels hungover. The inside is feels hungover and it can take when you, when you flare up that kind of inflammation, it can take days before I start to, if I'm like, yeah, but I mean, even the short term, 
I'm not sleeping. I'm right. not, now I'm trying to feel better. Right. And it can be days before I start to come out of the fog again, fog. then yeah. start to. So I just wanted to paint that picture for people who are listening because it's, it's just not a case of saying, Oh, I was bloated. Like we're dealing right. with. Yeah. It's so severe, think, it's severe yeah. reactions. And yeah. a lot of people may have like, you know, there are family members that have, I know have it, but they refuse to change their diets and they just mm-hmm. live with the consequences. Yeah. I did not have that. I don't have that ability to do that because my body does not let me do that. It tells me very, you know, in very clear terms, this is not working for us. And if you're going to do this, this is what's going to happen. So like my husband will say to me like, oh, let's get real pizza. I'm like, there is no way that I'm going to eat real pizza. I'm not going back a year in my healing when it took me 12 years to get where I am. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll make everything myself. And I do the same thing. Like but I eat real food, mm-hmm. right? So in this society, in our culture, people don't eat real food. So you're ingesting toxins as what you call your food. It's chemicals. It's sprayed with chemicals. It's filled with a lot of garbage. Mm-hmm. And so people will tell me what well, I eat healthy and I ask them what they eat. And they, you know, the idea is skewed of what healthy eating is. And they think I'm crazy. Oh yeah. You're, this is not, you're right. definitely, no, right. No, I, I don't eat out of a box or a bag because I eat everything that comes out of the ground and is alive. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a novel concept. And that's not to say that I don't eat, you know, there are like some crackers that I'll buy that are very clean that I'll eat, you know, but it's in within moderation because if I push it, even though they're very clean ingredients and there is nothing in there that's inflammatory, there is no dairy, there is no gluten. My body still says, this is not for us. I'd mm-hmm. rather you eat real whole food that you prepared yourself. And so I honor that because when I don't, I feel it and it doesn't feel good. Like you said, and it, it takes away from me regaining my life. So I have very hard and fast rules and people think that I'm really rigid. And to most people, I probably am really rigid, but that's the way I need to live my life. And whether that's because I'm highly sensitive, whether that's because I have so many other, uh, conditions that I contend with, right. That I've been able to quiet. I will always have these conditions, right. I will always have these tick bacteria that I'll be contending with. I will always have the celiac. I can't reverse that, but I can reverse the damage. Mm-hmm. I can reverse the inflammation. I can reverse the symptoms, right. So I can, I can regain my life. I can choose what's best for me and not to say that what's best for me is what's best for everybody. I never mm-hmm. say that. I never, there is no magic pill. There is no magic diet. People ask me what I do. I tell them, but I say, listen, this is not what I've always been doing. It's evolved as, you know, as the journey evolves, things change. You keep things that are working and things fall away. Mm-hmm. It's just a natural process. And when you look to mother nature, it's the same way. Yeah. She's what a constantly great. evolving. Mm-hmm. What a great analogy. What a great analogy because Yes, it's it. This is, I feel like it's a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. And, and when you start to feel better, it just becomes a no brainer that that's what I'm going to do. And I've had, like I said, I've had so many people say so much work and I'm like, it's nothing compared to the other option, not even a comparison. And I have moments, um, I don't know if you have them and just, but I do have moments where I'm human and I get frustrated because I'm like, I watch you eat nothing but crap and you never say you have, and there's nothing wrong with you. And I don't understand. And listen, I'm just being real and I'm here, right? It's a, I watch and I'm like, this is just completely abusing your body every single day. And you don't have any issues. That's not to say they don't have any issues because I think that's not paying attention to them. Yeah. And I think that some people just don't realize like what, that you can feel good. I actually do think that that's a case is that, Mm-hmm. Or that like, they're just used, so used to those, right. Those symptoms that happen, mm-hmm. they're just used to always being bloated. They're just used to always having headaches. They're just used to always having joint pain. Yeah. They're just used to always having brain fog. It's just what they know. Mm-hmm. And so the brain is wired to keep you safe, right? Change is bad. So that's why it's so hard to break habits. So it's so hard to change things. But when you're like you and I, and you're desperate, you're mm-hmm. going to do anything. You're open to anything because you're, you just want some, some quality of life back. Right. Like I just wanted to be able to get up and, and say, okay, I can get out of bed today. Mm -hmm. Right. So you take, you celebrate the small wins. That's another thing I'm about, like celebrate the small wins and celebrate how far you've come. 
because that type A mentality, which again, I still battle with of the do more, you're not doing enough. It's, it's not, it's not me. It's a belief system Mm -hmm. of the shoulds and the judgments and the expectations. And I think that that gets us into trouble a lot when we we're trying to live up to these standards that are not, they're not realistic. They're not practical. And many times they're not your own. It's something that you were raised with before age seven. And you just think that this is how it's supposed to be. And so Bruce Lipton talks about that a lot. And so for me, again, like this idea of spirituality was really foreign. This idea of like energy and spirituality. I didn't understand what that meant. Because again, I wasn't raised religious. I wasn't raised to be spiritual. So this idea of like a mind, body, spirit connection, like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Right. So I'm reading all these books and everyone's talking about that. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm already doing it. I don't know. I don't really know what that, I don't understand that. And I had had a yoga teacher tell me when I was still struggling, I was still on the merry-go-round and she had said to me uh, something that really resonated with me, but I didn't understand it at the time. And she said to me, so, you know, maybe you can view surrendering differently than you, than what you were taught. Right. Cause I'm taught, I was taught surrendering means you're giving up, you're quitting. And I was raised to not be a quitter. Right. We see things through. Mm-hmm. So it was this idea of surrender, not being a dirty word that I could be open to something bigger than me. Again, that I was already doing plant medicine that had created the plants, had created the birds, had created me. I created all, all these things that I can see, right? When I go outside, all these things I can hear and feel. What if that bigger thing I could surrender to, right? I could ask for help rather than looking at it as quitting. I could, I could just ask for help. I could ask for a sign, a message, a, you know, something, something, mm-hmm. whatever resonates with you. Just praying, just saying, like, I don't know what to do right? Like, just give me, give me a sign, give me a message. And so when I started doing that, like this shift occurred and I was like, oh, what's this about? (laughs) Right. Cause it's another part of the journey that you're, you're unfurling like, oh, okay. Now we're going to go here. Right. You kind of like you're on this path and then you take a tangent and then all the tangent didn't work. Let me come back. And so then I thought, all right, well, this is part of me connecting the mind, the body, and the spirit all one piece. So I started to explore that more through the energy medicine and it's still, I was getting better, but I was still kind of plateauing. And it was because I still wasn't in my body. I thought I was right. Mm -hmm. Doing doing my Tai Chi practice and doing my Qigong and doing my yoga, doing all these things, but I was not embodying the practice. I was just going through the motions. And again, I didn't, I didn't know that, right. I thought I was doing all the things. And so last summer, I had been doing breath work for a while, but I I didn't realize that I was using it as a way to escape from my body, to escape from the pain, the sensation, from having to feel things, right? I didn't understand I was, that's what I was using it for. And that's what we can use a lot of these tools for. Mm -hmm. Like if we're not embodying the practice, you're using them as a form of of escape from something, right? But I'm doing all these self-care things and I I need to compliment myself, right? I'm doing all the things. But again, it's this manic healing of I'm trying to do all the things, but again, I'm still just in the mind because I think the mind was best. Well, and you're still just like pushing for more answers. You're doing, 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 doing. Still this desperate energy. Yeah. And I couldn't understand why I was plateauing. And it wasn't until I realized, oh, because the mind is just part of the body. Mm -hmm. It's not, it doesn't rule everything. The body actually rules everything, but the mind wants to let you know that it, you know, it wants to think it rules it, but it doesn't. So I decided to sign up for this trauma-informed breathwork training because people had been telling me for years, you need to help other people. You need to write a book. The journey you've been on is so incredible. It's so you know inspiring. And it's, it's nice to hear that, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew that there was still work that needed to be done. I, I did not feel fully healed. I didn't, I felt like there was still something that was missing. I couldn't put my hand on it. Couldn't figure it out. You know, at, at this point, all the people that were helping me were people that I had chosen that were actually bringing something to the table. They were listening to me. They were believing me and they were seeing what I was, what I was putting out. And that's really important too, is that many times we're dismissed, especially as women mm-hmm. we're dismissed by the medical field. And we're told, you know, you just deal with your stress, go see a therapist. Here's this, here's this magic pill. 
And those people are supposed to work for you. And, and they, they are not the expert on your body. You are the expert on your body. And so this was all still like, I was still coming into this idea of like, no, I, I can be my own best healer, right? Like I, I can be the one that knows what's best for my body. And so, you know, again, I was like taking what worked, modifying it for myself, leaving what no longer was working. And so this breathwork training kept coming up. Like I kept seeing it and I was like, I think there's something there, but I really don't want to commit to another training. I've done so much research the last 12 years. I've read thousands of books. Like I don't want to do something else, right? I've done herbalism trainings. I've done homeopathy trainings. I've done all the things. Like I don't want to do it. And the universe kept sending it to me. Nope, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And I liked it because it, it taught you how to be trauma-informed. And that's not, some, you know, again, people are talking about trauma now the last few years, but it's not something that anyone really talked about before. It was not at all. It was not at all. It's definitely become much more. I'm doing my NLP masters right now and we have a whole trauma informed training that is part of it. And when you listen to, and you learn, it's like, Oh my gosh, you didn't even realize how even manipulative the language can be in selling and things. Mm -hmm. And and it is, we all Mm -hmm. know this, but I do, I love how much more we're talking about trauma informed work and how this has been such an impact for so many of us. And the thing was, for me, it was important. One, because I wanted to do it right, right? The type A, got to do it right. But also because I had been inflicted with more trauma through the medical journey, right? Mm-hmm. So the doctor's not listening to me. The uh, specialists I saw that I knew more than them on things, right? Because they weren't up on the latest research. The EMZR therapist that I had to school her in my sessions. And I'm like, this is not, this is not right. Like, this is not how I wanted to do this. And I thought if I'm going to do this for myself, it's got to be this way so that I don't inflict more trauma because, you know, talk therapy has a time and place, but when you keep repeating the same story and nothing is, is happening, you're just re-traumatizing yourself. Your body does not know time and place. It doesn't know that you're not back at five experiencing sexual abuse. It doesn't know that you're not at age 10 going through a house fire. Like it doesn't know any of those things. It thinks you're back in that moment. So you experience all of those hormones again, mm-hmm. all of those chemicals, your all of the systems experience it, not just the nervous system. And it can lead to disease. It creates trauma pathways. And so people don't understand that. Like that's a huge piece of the puzzle. And so that was the missing puzzle piece that I needed. And by doing that, so I'll be 40 in October. So this, in, in this life, it's the first time I've been in my body since age five, Mm. since completing this journey. It's the first time I don't have crazy anxiety 24 seven every day. It's the first time that I can trust the innate intelligence of my body, that it knows what it's doing and that it's not broken. Mm. It's the first time I allowed someone else to hold space for my healing because you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. You have to have someone to hold space for you. It's the first time that I've acknowledged that the healing journey is not linear, right? Even though I knew it wasn't linear, I can now embody that and say, yeah, it's really not linear. There are ups and downs every single day, but I can be okay with that. And I can accept the messages from my body, just as messages, mm-hmm. not expectations, not judgments, not shaming my body. It's here to help me. And so it was a really powerful experience for me that I I really didn't think it was going to be that powerful. I thought I'd worked through a lot of my stuff. I thought that I was on the right track. You know, I was on the right track, but I thought like I was already embodying a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And so this is the first time it feels really different, you know, and even people that have known me through this whole journey, they, when I was in the program, they're like, Oh my God, I see a huge difference. Just you're halfway through and I see a big difference. So it was really apparent to a lot of people who had witnessed this, that this was something that was a big deal. And so when I was able to then hold space for other people and do this process with them, it was transformative for my own healing because Mm -hmm. I was fully in my body. So everything sped up in that all the things I had done before, just in my mind, there was still a disconnect with that mind, body, spirit. But once I was physically back in my body, a lot of things fell into place. There was less effort. There was more ease. There was less anxiety. 
right? So I had less stress. I had less overwhelm. So I was able to realize that, yeah, I am my own best healer. I see it. I see it for myself in black and white, just with this one experience. And I can see it looking back at all the past prior experiences as well, that I always knew best. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't listening to that little voice because we're taught not to. Because I was just going to say, because we're taught not to. And that's like, I want that to land for anyone who is here because I think it's a fine line where you do have to push and be resilient Mm -hmm. in order to find answers. Mm -hmm. But then there, I always, I like to say that there comes a point in life where our greatest strengths become our greatest weakness. And that is, that's that point because I walked that for different reasons from you, Mm -hmm. but that space of pushing, pushing, pushing to find answers over and over Mm -hmm. and over. And, but then there comes a point where it's like, okay, I can't live in this energy anymore Anymore. because it's actually hurting me more and not bringing answers. So I love that you took this into, um, into trauma-informed breathwork training. Is this something that you will be like taking into your own business, into helping others with? And if so, I think it's just going to be so much more powerful because it's a path you've walked. I I have this deep innate belief that if we're going to step into our gifts and use what is available for us, it requires us like leaning into something that we've experienced firsthand. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I finally feel ready. So I graduated in May Mm -hmm. and I finally felt ready to, to hold, you know, as part of my certification, I had to hold space for other people and I was nervous to do that right? Like, I don't, I don't want to traumatize anybody. I don't want to, you know, affect them more. And the experience was profound. It was phenomenal. I was able to hold space for these people. I was able, my intuition had been strengthened. I was able to channel messages through the, you know, through source. It wasn't even coming through me because people would ask me what I said. I said, I have no idea. I don't, I don't even know. It just came through. And yeah, again, like with experience, I was able to tell them, Hey, I, I get it. I see you. I hear you. And I believe you and the experience you're going through because I've walked a similar path and I know it doesn't need to end like this. It doesn't need to, you know, it doesn't need to look like this. It can look different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And there, that's a good thing because we're all different. And so it was really powerful and, and I got really great feedback and I continue to do it and hold space for people. And Every time is different because everybody is different, right? And what is coming through is going to be different every day. And it's just a remarkable experience to be able to have that. And I continue to do the work myself because I would be hypocritical to say here and say, I'm fully healed. I, everything is fine. I still have, you know, my mentor from the program. She still coaches me. Mm-hmm. I still get breathed by her. She, you know, she coaches me through my process right now. We're doing inner child stuff. I have a somatic healer. I see in person, she does body work on me as well as doing somatic healing. So I feel like it's really important when you're holding space like this for people that you continue to do your own work because there's always, you know, there will be work there until you leave this body. (laughs) Well, and I, I, I actually love that you said that because one of the other things um, clients will ask me sometimes, or people will ask like, how do you make decisions and who you work with? Because there's there's like no shortage of mentors Mm -hmm. and things, but I love to connect with people who are they know the work is never done. Like it's actually never done. It's, it's, it's because as you start to expand and grow in a new level, now you can actually hold more, you can Mm -hmm. hold different challenges. And Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, Oh, I thought this work was going to be done. It's actually not done. So I think you're right in the sense. And I just wanted to emphasize that piece, how powerful it is to connect with mentors and leaders, coaches, whatever you want to call that, Mm -hmm. who are committed to doing their own work as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's important that to know that if you're not in your body, you can't heal. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like a prime example of that because, you know, it took me like 11 years, <laughs> almost, almost 11 years to get back into my body of this healing journey to realize that, oh, this, this feels different. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, I don't know why, but things are changing. Yeah. Cause I was in my body for the first time. It felt safe again to be back in my body. And that's the thing too, is you continue to do the work. The body is designed to heal and transmute the trauma. 
but you can't go into it with an agenda, right? So I can't say, oh, in this session, I'm going to do this. The body's like, it doesn't work that way. I'm going to decide what's ready to be moved. I'm going to decide what's ready to be healed. Not you, because I'm, I'm the intelligent piece of this puzzle, right? But you also, sorry, one thing you said mm -hmm. there was that like, it was once it's safe to go into your body Mm -hmm. and you can do you can like really work on healing that even yeah. more on a deeper level. Right. If you have come through a trauma at a young age and depending on how you processed, how you didn't process, how you right. were told to push on and move on, there was no, there, the, the, there was no semblance of safety. It was just right. move on. Like right. suck it up. Just get over it. Exactly. Suck it up and get over it. And mm-hmm. it could just, even if you didn't have, you know, not everybody has childhood trauma, but again, living the past three years, people have experienced trauma, right? You sure so, have. Yeah. so even if you have ancestral trauma or pre-verbal trauma, right? Mm-hmm. This, this is all like people like, oh, that's, that's woo-woo. It's not, there's real science to it. Mm-hmm. Just like there's real science of plant medicine. It's been around for 5,000 years, right? It's not woo-woo. It's real. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be around for 5,000 years if it didn't work. Same thing with energy medicine. So, you know, for me, if you would have told me when I was a medical researcher, I would have done all these things. I would have said, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. That's not real. Mm -hmm. That's crazy talk. I don't, I don't understand that. Right. Mm -hmm. But so you have to go through these experiences sometimes to be open to them. Yeah. To, to find a a new direction, to make a better choice that works for you, you know, and to stop thinking about what other people are going to think about it. Right. The it doesn't people matter with it. It doesn't, it doesn't because this no. is your life. This is no. your life. And you get to decide you get to choose what's best for you. And that's a, a message I affirm a lot in my sessions. Like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not the be all end all. Like it is not about me. This is your session. This is your time. This is, you get to choose what's best. If I say something, you don't like it, that I'm not going to get offensive by it. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not about me. It's about what you need. And we all need to be held in a container where we feel safe, Mm -hmm. especially now in the world is a scary place. And I think it's important to understand that there are people that have been through it. There are people that have the skills, even if you've gone through a lot of people who haven't. I mean, I went through a lot of people that didn't, and I still found answers because a lot of the answers are already within you. And if you can strengthen that attachment to your intuition and, you know, your soul, whatever you want to call it, your inner wisdom, your higher self, the answers are already there. Mm -hmm. It's when, so I say this example all the time, like, you know, my intuition will tell me one thing and I've learned to trust it. But when I don't, and I decide to leave with my head, I usually regret that decision. It usually does not play out very well for me. And then I go, okay, yeah, I know. I should listen to that intuition, right? So sometimes you just have to learn your, to do it. Like, you know, I'm that type of person. I have to do it myself. A thousand people could tell me, mm-hmm. but I have to experience it myself. And I, I know a lot of people are like that. So it's a process that it continues to unfold as well. Right. So you continue to learn from it. Again, people are like, I don't understand the messages, what they, what they sound like. They sound like a different language, but once you continue to, you know, connect with your intuition, you'll be able again to understand the messages. They won't sound like a foreign language anymore, or you'll get insights, whether it's in a dream in the shower driving, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting in silence. Like I'm a big, big fan of stillness, slowing Mm -hmm. down, sitting in silence, Shutting off the screens, like all of that. And yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's very uncomfortable for a lot of people and myself sometimes included, but I've really taken to, um, through my NLP work, subliminals, listening Mm -hmm. to subliminals and it, they might just sound like a instrumental music to some Mm -hmm. people. But I swear to God, they calm my nervous system. Yeah. They, I, they, I will just play them while I'm working sometimes. It's right. like, okay, well, that's too much information you're taking mm-hmm. in. I love to learn, but it's like, let's just like, let's just slow it down right now and take this in and turn off everything else. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you have to learn to listen to go inward and ask what you need yes. and then give yourself what you need and trust see, that that's like, the answer. build some proof. Does this mm-hmm. work? Does this work? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
So how can people connect to you um, to learn there? I, there's so much information here, but how can people connect to you to learn more about what you do and what you're offering? So the, the Facebook group is the best way to learn more because I post a lot of free information on there about plant medicine, about energy medicine, about all of this, my journey. There's other podcast interviews there as well. If they want to listen, you know, to get a few, listen to a few different stories that I've told to see what I'm about. Mm -hmm. And that Facebook group is Amy, the amateur herbalist. And I also have a YouTube channel. It's the same name. And that has foraging videos, cooking videos, and garden tours. And so I teach people, you know, how to grow your own food, how to eat your weeds, (laughs) you know, how to, how to cook simply. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. I don't make elaborate recipes because when I was really sick, I couldn't, couldn't, you know, it had to be really simple. It had to be nutrient dense and really simple. And, and again, there are days that I still may not feel great. So I I prioritize what is really important. What do I really need to do? I need to have high quality meals Mm -hmm. and I need to rest and everything else goes to the wayside. And that's how I choose to live my life. It may not be, Mm -hmm. you know, approved by everybody, but that's, that's what I need to do still in order to maintain my healing and in order to listen to the messages from my body and respect that it knows best. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of great information there. That's probably the best place for people to go. And if they want, they can message me on there and I can give them a free discovery call. Okay, perfect. I will make sure it is all there in the show notes. Um, I thank you for sharing everything that you did and how much work you did in order to find your own answers. And I think this is really what it comes down to. But I kept hearing like this piece of how important surrender is and trusting and getting back into your body and allowing it to feel safe so that it can heal. And I just, I want that to land for people who are listening, because I think this is a, it's a really important piece. I think you absolutely are your own best advocate. Absolutely are your own best advocate. I, my right up until my last surgery was two years ago. And when I went back in, my family doctor looked at me and her first words were, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't listen. I'm sorry. I didn't listen. And she, it was, it was really hard because I felt like I was going crazy for a long, long time. And so I did push and that pusher and fighter that we all have inside of us in some way, shape or form can get you to a space where you can get answers. But then there also has to come a time where you recognize that those qualities might not be supporting you. Exactly. Exactly. They were creating the anxiety. They were creating the fighter energy that was like fighting constantly in me. And that was not working. Well, it's, it's your body designs those protectors, right? So when we have wounds and they're left, the protector comes out to keep you safe, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the fighter, the aggressor, that's the victim, that's the um, addict, right? There, there are all these different protectors. And again, it's the body just trying to keep you safe. Yep to keep it from not having to experience that again, to keep Mm -hmm. you from not being fractured. It's just the body is designed to keep you safe, but it's also designed to heal. So it's important to remember that and that these protectors that formed in childhood, the majority of them, they may no longer be serving you, right? Yeah. So it's important to be open to that. Like, does this behavior still serve me? Like I'd have the comedian, I make a joke out of things so that I don't cry because if people are laughing, I can control the dynamic. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also have the aggressor in me that if I don't like something, I'm going to go right back at you. Right. So it's important to, to recognize these protectors that we have, because again, they're to keep you safe, but they also may be keeping you stuck, Mm -hmm. stuck in not healing, Mm -hmm. stuck in unhappiness. Yeah. I, I, it all resonates very, very closely with me to be completely honest, because there's just so many, um, different parallels that are there, but it's this space of really, really learning and allowing the body to heal. And I just want to share as a person that, you know, you can do this work at any age. You're not too old. You're not too old. It is not, not, um, you can, you can create change that, you know, you might've experienced from a very young age Mm -hmm. and it's very, very freeing when you can learn how to do this work. 
for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you can hold space for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If it's you can't do that, you can't do it for others. Yeah. It's a gift for you first. Yes. Yeah. You have to fill your own cup up first, right? You have to be resourced mm-hmm. in order to hold space for other people. Mm-hmm. And if you're not resourced and if you're living in a trauma state, fight or flight, fawn all the time, you can't hold space for other people. No, you can't be the person you're meant to be. And, and people don't understand that, right? Like, so in our society, we choose to numb out. We choose to not feel our feelings. We hold our breath. We don't want to feel the sensations, but it's destructive. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm you know, part of the movement along with you to teach people that there is another way. Mm-hmm. You can feel your feelings and it doesn't have to hurt as much as you think it's going to hurt, right? It can pass a lot quicker when you choose to feel them. Yes. And I think that's a big, that's a big piece of it. When you avoid them for so long, push them down, it, you think that's what the strong people do. Um, you think that, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is exhausting. But when you actually can allow yourself to feel them and to move through them, it's, it's amazing. Yes. It might hurt for a while, but it allows you to move through it probably 10 times faster than you would have by doing it your own way. And you're not creating any trauma. Yeah. Any additional trauma. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, wow. What a powerful conversation. I will make sure everything is connected in the show notes to send them your way to learn more on this, because this is still not talked about a ton. So like, I think it's, it's powerful to learn from somebody who has been walking this path. I have one more question for you and it is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? probably this experience Mm -hmm. as much as it sounds crazy you would think that I would say something different but this experience has taught me so much the person I am today is a completely different person than I was 12 years ago and I like her a lot better she's authentic (laughs) she has boundaries she's not concerned about people pleasing Mm -hmm. she is questioning her belief system every day and she's doing what's best for her And I like that. And I can respect that. I love that answer. Absolutely love that answer. Honestly, beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for being here today, Amy. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes. And please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.